Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual. I'm joined by my co-founder and co-host, Paddy Mann. Hi, Paddy. Good morning. Now, every time you hire a new employee, you have an opportunity. An opportunity for your team to move faster. An opportunity for your business to grow faster. An opportunity to give the new employee an incredible experience. An opportunity to make your own job easier and less stressful. Yet, so many businesses fail their new employees within the first few days and weeks. Employee onboarding is an afterthought and doesn't get the time and preparation it needs. And sadly, instead of accelerating as a team, you're slowing down. And all sorts of stress and pain for you, for your team and, and for the new joiner. In our last episode, we covered why onboarding often sucks and the impact of this. Today, we'll dive into tactical solutions to delivering onboarding that doesn't suck and is actually amazing for everyone involved. So Paddy, give us a reminder from the previous episode. What's the stress and business cost of bad onboarding before we dive into how to fix it? Cool. So, <laughs> uh, so much, so, so much pain because it affects everyone involved. You've got the manager. Uh, who's hiring in uh, and the team and at this moment in time at this moment where you're bringing in a new joiner they're almost certainly very busy the reason that they're hiring is because they've been pushed beyond the limits of what they could do without additional team members um and so they're they're desperate to get value from the from the new team member and they feel often that they've invested a lot of time into the recruitment process. It's uh, finding the right person is in itself a derail. And so they're coming into it with these huge hopes and so on, but they're busy with their, their day-to-day work and they need to support this new joiner. How's it going to work? At the same time, you've got the new joiner who uh, has their own hopes and aspirations of what can happen in, with this new opportunity. And yet, while that's happening, they're it's a, a moment of big change for them. And so you've got this anxiety residing in the new joiner. It's like, is it going to meet my expectations? Am I going to live up to their expectations? Am I going to be able to deliver value in this new role? Are the team members uh, going to be ones that I work well with and so on? And so you've got this moment of change where everyone's busy. Everyone's got high hopes. And when it's done well, you've got this huge opportunity for, for takeoff. You've got the opportunity where someone is brought up to speed and uh, feels really well supported and it doesn't derail the team and the and the manager. And you start seeing value from that new joiner within the first, it can happen within the first days or, or week. Uh, it certainly does for some of our employees, including very skilled yeah. roles. Um, uh, and, and of course, it takes time to build them into other, you know, the full role. But it, it can be a really positive experience and delivering value from from day one. But when we see it done done badly, and uh, we we'll say this is this is the norm, not not the uh, unfortunately not the the few odd cases, and it was the norm for how we had it in our own businesses for so long. Okay. You don't have that quick ramp up. The new joiner isn't well supported, and you haven't got the 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 foundations that the employee needs to be able to succeed set up in your business in in your team uh and so you you start becoming uh rely on on kind of being reactive and in the last couple of days before they get uh st- get started you prepare content but you then deliver it all uh in meetings in this kind of one-to-one environment where 
it's great when it gets shared and for that moment where they remember it afterwards, but it quickly gets forgotten and you end up repeating yourself again and again and again. And the new join is constantly getting blocked because they're reliant on the time that they need with you. And it takes, instead of a, you know, a week, it takes months for them to get up to speed and consistently delivering value and feeling confident in their new role. Uh, and during that time, the new employees feeling frustrated and they've got doubts the manager's feeling frustrated and has got doubts. The team is feeling frustrated and everyone's feeling that they're not moving as quickly towards their goals. So instead of something that's accelerating them, um, they're slowed down. And then the, the impact of this, I mean, uh, if you ignore the, the stress, the wellness of your team, of your manager, the impact on your evenings, on your family life, uh, the, the, disillusionment of the new employee and everything else and just look at the financial impact for your for your team it's enormous it's i mean you've got someone who was meant to be adding value and they're not adding value they're they're slowing down the business until they eventually get up to speed um and if you are, are lucky enough to, to keep them then you get to capitalize on the investment you've made in in both the recruitment and onboarding but we often see you know something like 30 percent of new joiners leave within days, weeks, or months. And that means you've invested all that time in recruitment, all that time in, uh, in supporting them getting started. Um, and it, it pays off nothing for a, a huge cost to your team. It, it can be uh, a, a massive derail. I think a lot of businesses don't look at that risk. It's mm. it, if you don't make this investment in, in getting onboarding uh, assorted, it, it's actually a huge risk for your team and a business rather than a, an opportunity. Agreed. Agreed. So <clears throat> we've got, and it's funny when you say, if we ignore, if we ignore just the stresses and the impacts on your life and so on, and just like, like look at the financial, it's like, um, yeah, I think any one of those things that you described there are worth sorting out the onboarding. It has such a, a huge impact. And I think most business owners, once they I think almost one of the challenges is knowing what it looks like when it's good. I think the problem is, as you, exactly as you say, like it's the norm is really poor onboarding and therefore people struggle to see what it should look like. Um, and that's that's what we should go into next. So let's uh, let's go into say, how do we fix it? How do we make sure that onboarding doesn't suck and instead provides a, an awesome experience? <laughs> You know, you, you triggered something just as, uh, just before that, which is that people don't know what good looks like. So I'll mm. come on to the fixing in a moment, but just to kind of briefly cover what does it actually feel like? Because this is something yeah. that we, we've we iterated on heavily and now we know that we've nailed this. And we know that we've nailed it because it's an incredible experience for, uh, for the manager. It's an uh, incredible experience for the team and it's an incredible experience for the, the new joiner. And they are expressing that, you know, very vocally. We, we're getting videos sort of them just showing how happy they are with some of the steps that we've taken. We're seeing rave reviews on, on external review sites. We're hearing about the experiences of them sharing their enthusiasm and, and excitement with their family and friends and so on, mm -hmm. because what they're experiencing within, uh, within Air Manual is an experience that they've, they've not had before in any of their previous, previous roles. And yet the, the stuff that we're doing isn't revolutionary or particularly difficult. It's just about having work, worked it through. So for the, for the new joiner, what it means is they're able to come in and they're able to get up to speed really quickly. And we focus on getting them uh, capable of doing something which is value adding as quickly as possible. 
and even for like uh, uh, very skilled roles like engineers where we've got a lot of internal best practices and standards we are finding an area where they can actually add value um with a significant part of their time within a week and we're doing the same in sales or any other area we're finding a task where we can get them up to speed quickly and, and delivering value and that gets them past that moment of anxiety as the moment that they feel confident they can deliver the moment that the team feels confident they can deliver um is a a huge huge milestone for the manager you know when we when we used to do it it, it was the biggest derail you're essentially putting aside your week to support the the new joiner and joiners going around the team and then you're fixing all the issues and things that you're are missing nowadays uh when we hire someone in as a as a manager i often spend less than an hour with them in the first week which is pretty in line with what i'm spending with any other team member and yet i know they're having a, a brilliant experience and of course that they're getting some of that is because i'm assigning uh, the support and the buddy work to other members in the team but a lot of that is because of the systems we've put in place so that's uh yeah that's what we can be aiming towards yeah i, I really like that and <laughs> i tend to say and then before <laughs> before we go into the fix it like it i think one of the temptations when uh, for business owners is to over rely on these skills and expertise or not just rely on but over assume that a skilled you know experienced new employee will just come in and be able to do those things without that kind of um, handheld uh, onboarding support um, you know I think I think for a lot of business owners to say oh well yeah if you haven't got a skilled worker if they you know if they're coming into McDonald's sure then the onboarding needs to be really detailed but you know, if I've got some really creative types and so on, it makes me think like if we take a really skilled area like I don't know brain surgery or you know fly, flying jets, you say, well, let's say you you've hired a new jet pilot. That jet pilot doesn't just immediately rock up to the landing strip on day one and say, is it like point at a plane and go, that's probably the one I need to fly. Gets in and off he goes. Like you would expect that he's going to need all sorts of things in terms of understanding how the organization works, when he's going to be flying, all these sorts of things. And then even the understanding that particular um, aircraft and all these sorts of like, And that's for something incredibly skilled where, you know, there is a lot of trust in then their ability once they're in the air and dealing with these things. But it's like, it's that, isn't it? It's about getting them to that point that they can apply their brilliance. It's taking where where the, the value and the expertise that you're expecting them to apply, but putting them into a position that they can start to do it. And it doesn't have to be you know, a jet pilot, like just a salesperson, taking skills that they have with enthusiasm and communication, but putting them into a position where they understand who the target customer is, what the pains are, wh uh, how your products and services solve those pains, uh, what's the journey that you need to take the customer on, what's the appropriate next step, what's the pr pricing and so on, what's the, you know, all those things, that's the understanding that they need to have so that they can start to apply their brilliance to it and add that value. So, um, Paddy, we've got to get into how do we fix this then? How do we create this awesome onboarding experience for all involved? Yeah, well, I, I love what you were just sharing and, and it's absolutely um, uh, right because when you look at that salesperson that's excelled in their previous role that you think is going to deliver so much, the reason they've been able to excel in their previous role is because all of this already existed in their previous uh, company. And that is so easy to to, to overlook. True. So, yeah, how, how, how do we do this? Okay, we've got five key principles. And these key principles are 
uh, one, they kind of fundamental truths of things that we you, you need to be doing, but it, it's also they are um, <laughs> they're the areas where we see things uh, see things going wrong most frequently in other organisations. So the, these are the ones uh, where it's not we're, we're not trying to sell fluff, and obviously you need to do this. It's actually when we talk to most business owners that they don't realize so these are five key things where if you change them and work out uh, how to follow through on these five areas it's gonna it's gonna revolutionize your onboarding so the first one you need to hold teams accountable for their own onboarding now the mistake that we uh, were talking about in the previous episode was this kind of assumption that onboarding is something that belongs to hr uh, and if you search for onboarding, you, uh, you will certainly find a lot of tools that are aimed at HR. And, and this is a, a travesty uh, in itself, which is if you look for an on onboarding tools, all of the onboarding tools who say that they do onboarding, they are entirely focused on company onboarding for the HR team. And most of them completely ignore that the majority of onboarding needs to happen in a team for that employee. The role on board, the company onboarding is something that happens in the first few days. It is important. It is important the experience and you get them up to speed of the company stuff. It is something that delivers value for every single employee. But the majority of onboarding is going to be in the days, weeks, and months after that company onboarding as you take someone in and get them up to uh, up to full speed. And I'll tell you what, most of the onboarding tools out there just just uh, just don't support it. So you need to hold teams accountable for their own onboarding. You need to make it clear to managers that they are not going to get people who have been in onboarded because they've been through company onboarding. There is a separate activity that needs to go on within a team, and they're going to need to support the employee through. They're going to need to have their own internal process for each role uh, and, and then manage that. So that's number one. Number two, we then need to set clear goals and this is the second point of huge confusion about what's even in the scope of onboarding and people get this confusion about is it is it about the induction is it about the first few days yeah. or is it about the uh the 20 30 60 90 day plan well that sounds very enterprisey you know i'm a much smaller organization so surely it's not that big what is it what's achievable and rather than thinking about day one or day 90, um, I, I prefer to set three, three goals. The first is that we want to quickly get the new joiner feeling welcome, supported and productive. So I covered earlier um, that you've got a new joiner, they come in, they're feeling anxious about their ability to deliver value. And you as a manager and team, you're feeling anxious about their ability to deliver value. The sooner you can get over the initial hurdle, of making them feel like they're being productive is a huge, huge milestone. And we want to get to that point quickly. We want to, throughout that experience, make sure they feel welcome and supported and confident that they're going to be able to to shine in this role. So that's the first goal. And that's um, often where people focus on almost entirely on, on just doing that. And often it takes longer than it should, but that's the first, first goal. The second goal, is to get the new joiner happy and confident in all areas of their role so that they can deliver consistent results without needing consistent support. As long as they're in a position where they still feel like they can't do some of the tasks which are their responsibility, then you're still not going to be needing to support them, to fix their mistakes, to do it. It's not going to feel like they're a fully-fledged value-adding member of the team. 
but getting to that point, this point takes much, much longer. And it, it, it goes initially, you know, the, the biggest, most important tasks, it's the, you know, doing a demo call as a salesperson and being able to update the CRM. And then it gets expanded to the stuff that happens less, less often, like doing a quarterly review of budget and other things which happen less frequently. But ultimately, onboarding needs to take that long view of going, how do I get them to the point where they can do everything in their role? And once you have that clarity, that I as a manager, one, I'm responsible for role onboarding, and two, my responsibility is not just to get them a laptop and a description of what to do on day one, but to take them to the point where they are fully confident in all areas, then, then you've actually got a chance because you suddenly get, okay, the scope of what I'm doing and need to do is that much larger. And, and it's going to just that awareness is going to get rid of a load of pain points you would otherwise have because you feel so many people feel like they've done onboarding. And so why are these problems still occurring? And if we were to look at it with this goal, we'd say, nope, nope, you, you've, you've started onboarding and then you've stopped doing onboarding, but you haven't finished onboarding. And that's why you're still feeling pain. And then the third goal is to make great use of everyone's time because there are many ways that you could be delivering onboarding. And in theory, you could just repeat the same message talking to them a hundred times until they can basically chant it back to you. But that would be terrible use of everyone's yeah. time. So we, we, we need to make sure it's efficient. We need to make sure that the new joiner is delivering uh, an impact and actual value for the salary you're paying them and that it's not derailing derailing the whole uh the whole company nice yeah so, really, really like that i think that before you go into the sort of number yeah. three i think so recapping on that that number two like setting those clear goals absolutely love that i think that walking through that as you say uh getting them you know getting the new joiner feeling welcome support and productive then looking at the entire role and helping them that and then making a good use of people's time and it's so easy and tempting to do part of that I mean, and for so many businesses, like, in fact, I'd encourage people listening, like, think about at the moment for a new joiner joining your business, do they feel like, would you expect them to feel welcome? Would you expect them to feel supported? And for how long? Um, and then how quickly do you get them productive, which includes setting them up with the tools that they need, setting them up with understanding communication methods in the tool, understanding how the, the, the organization is structured, the meeting rhythm, how it works, you know, all those sorts of things. Those things need to be in place so that they can, they can be productive. And then, of course, the first thing that they can start doing to add value. And typically in our businesses, we're looking to do that. Well, firstly, understanding the organization we're looking to do and, and all those sorts of things in day one, but typically adding value within uh, three to five working days where they're actually able to do something um, that contributes to, to our goals, I think is, is really powerful before then expanding into other areas. So that's number two. So setting clear goals. Um, Paddy, take us through um, what's number three in terms of how we'd recommend fixing this. So number three, fix the foundations. And regular listeners to this podcast would start to know what we mean by the foundations. We're talking about putting in the the SOPs and policies, and mainly SOPs. And by SOP, I simply mean checklists that explain how to do tasks so that there are clear expectations of how the common tasks uh, that uh, someone needs to do in their role needs to be done in your organization. And there's often this kind of belief it's like they've done sales before therefore why would they need all these checklists and it's like the nuances of how they do a a call or have to fill in a crm or have to report it to you 
there everything will be slightly different in your organization and you will go crazy uh, if they do everything the way they did before and they yeah. won't be able to because you haven't got the same tools because they aren't selling the same product because there's so many little things which are different and that that means you don't have a uh, any other option you can't just say go off and look on google and work out how to do this you need to have a defined way of how those tasks are done in your organization it doesn't need to be uh you know this 10 pages of detailed notes or a perfect script of everything in the in a, a demo call for example but it they do need the high level uh, steps and a, a view of these are the standard things where you know these are the, the steps which are absolutely essential you need to make sure you do things in this order you need to make sure that a meeting always gets scheduled at the end of the call you need to make sure you update this and this in the crm afterwards because if it doesn't it causes a serious pain for the for the organization and so the foundations are making sure that guidance exists uh in the uh in your team so that any training that you then provide has a resource they can refer to back later when they need to be proactive mm -hmm. because they haven't remembered every little detail and every time you spot something wrong which might have been wrong in the guidance or might be wrong in the in the training or anywhere else or an opportunity to improve you've then got a base line which you can then tweak and you can make a tweak to the process so that it then gets fixed and improved both for the new joiner this time and for future ones so it's, it's so important to get the foundations in line now that might feel scary if you are looking at this and go oh man we we don't have any of this stuff so i say don't don't worry um this is something that we we uh, coach our own customers on and make make easy and air manual but you can apply it wherever, which is, it, it's just prioritization. It is basically yeah. look at all the content they need, get clear on the, the full scope of the, the different uh, tasks that exist. What do they need to do daily, weekly, monthly, uh, as needed? Uh, what other guidance do they need? Just get a, a list of the full content that they will need at some point and then prioritize what are they going to need on day one? What's going to block them from even moving forward? and focus on that and then just you know iteratively prioritize and some of the content you may well not need for days weeks months uh or, or whatever and you may discover that actually they do know how to do a certain area and it it isn't needed so that, that's okay but essentially yeah you, you work out what foundations you need they need and then prioritize uh like crazy because it does take a little while to put in uh, and focus on creating the content that they'll need on 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 day one and go from there yeah, I love that. And it's, I, I think you're right that it's, it's such, a, uh, such a barrier often to, to business leaders is this idea of, oh, I need to have everything in place from, you know, uh, and, and um, right from the beginning or whatever. And as a result, they didn't do any of it, right? Like I was literally, um, I was at a dinner and sat next to a business owner only last week who, uh, despite, the, you know, despite the fact that uh, they were sort of bought into a lot of the things that we, uh, we share, um, they said that their, you know, their biggest concern was finding the time to get it all done. And as we've shared in previous episodes, like we've helped people in two hours save two hours a week, even 15 hours a week. And so like when you put the, a small amount of time, you can get a lot of time back. But the problem was that his mindset was the other way around. He was saying, oh, I feel like the thing that would help is if I just got all of it documented and then it would be easier to maintain in the long term. And, and so I said, okay, before we tackle that uh, sort of um, uh, mistaken belief, because uh, he was sharing it because he knew it was, uh, and, and so that wasn't an offensive thing to say. I said, like, how long do you estimate that that would take? 
and you're like about a week like of solid effort and it's like and when are you going to find the time to do that it's like never like i'm we're busy and so of course ex uh, the our approach and what we recommend is you start small you start exactly as you said Paddy, like prioritizing with just a few one two three processes that you can get captured so that when that new joiner comes in, at least you've got something in that in that first week or so for them to start picking up. And um, I remember with a different business owner, we, we, were, we helped them in uh, two sets of an hour and a half, so three hours total in one week, meant that their new joiner the following week, their head of operations, was able to basically self-drive 95% uh, of all their onboarding for the next week, where previously the business owner would have had to spoon feed them. And so it's amazing what you can get done and, and you know, particularly when you prioritize. So I uh, completely agree with that. So let's say we've, uh, you know, we've held teams accountable, we've set clear goals, we've fixed the foundations. What's number four? Which, what do we need to do? Cool. This is, uh, this is actually the, the exciting one, I'd say. It's I agree. The, possibly the biggest game changer from how most people think they're going to do it to how we would highly recommend that you mm -hmm. do do it. And that is to put the new joiner in the driving seat. So you, you know how it is when you, when you're, you, you know, you join a new company or your, your expectation and you, you start having these meetings with different parts of the company and you go through and you get this kind of one hour lecture on this is how the finance bit works and an hour lecture on something else. And, and then there's a really interesting bit or you're just like, Oh man, okay, this is really important. You take down a load of notes and then, but it goes through a bit too quickly. You didn't quite understand it. And then there's another slow bit on how to do the CRM. You, you want to reverse that, but you want to, uh, basically make it self self service so that people can move at their own speed there will be some things in the onboarding experience that they uh they find very easy to get to get a grasp on and they can just scan over it there is no need for someone to sit down with them and read what the uh company vision is and then the values is and, and so on i mean there can be great if you've scaled up and you're doing a proper workshop and getting people engaged and excited about it but that's rarely the case when you're when you're in a, a smaller organization you're instead basically taking them through one by one and it's very very timely consuming both for both you and the uh and the new joiner whereas what you can do with self-service is basically let them go through it. and if they if they uh don't understand something or or or, or need more time to really understand then they can they can invest the time they need. And what we what we do in our checklist is uh, we make it, it's not just checking off, checking off the box, but we ask a question. It's like, okay, what was the, the biggest takeaway? What excites you most about what we're doing in our vision? And that gets them to think about it in a way that often wouldn't have been engaging in the in the lecture you gave them. You're, you're getting, giving them time to reflect on it and, and tell you back. And then you say, okay, well, is there anything that confuses you? And just by asking these two questions, you, you get everything you need. You get them feeling engaged and really thinking about it. You've made sure that they understand it. And you've got the, the answers, which when you then meet with them and, and you basically, alongside a, a self-service checklist, you make sure you've got uh, some scheduled calls with their manager or buddy to basically check in on their progress and go through where they're at and their, their questions. You then go, oh, I see that you had this confusion about the vision. This is what it means. And of course, you could then look at how to improve that content for next time. But it makes it this kind of engaging experience where the people who want to go flying are super excited on day one and just want to move quickly. They can do. The people who feel really uncomfortable moving forward if they don't feel like they really understand it at a deeper level, they can do that. And people will move at different paces. 
But what we found by giving them these these uh, these, these uh, self service ways of doing it, and we have a a checklist of things that they can do before they they join, a checklist that they can do to do their company onboarding, a checklist that they they would do within a, a role, is that they feel that they can move quickly. They never feel like they are blocked. And that's the worst on day one when, you, when you're going to go, okay, I have to wait for my laptop. I've got half an hour because I haven't got my login details or I've done the task that was assigned to me and my next meeting with someone isn't for 30 minutes. I'll go make a cup of coffee. It kills that momentum, that, that yeah. excitement. So they never, ever feel blocked. They always feel like they're engaged. And, and because of the questions we're asking, they feel like uh, their opinion matters and is valued and they are getting rid of any confusion um, uh, points as they... Uh, as they go, and it can get them up to speed really, really quickly. And then from the, no, what we we get is we we get we're literally getting rave reviews from people going, "This is amazing." And then you're there as a manager going, "Awesome! I, I've spent like half an hour with you, and in that half an hour, at no point did I spend that telling you stuff that you could have read or learned anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It was a hundred percent focused on those biggest." Um, uh, those biggest areas and questions where I could actually deliver a lot of value because those were the areas that you know either confused or, or particularly excited you, uh, and that's that's awesome. You know, it's, you know, it's not only is it putting them in the the driving seat, but by doing that, you're giving them their own tailored experience because you're focusing all the the coaching around the bits that they care about. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so, a, cu- a couple of thoughts uh, share on, on that. So, one one is. Um, firstly, if you're interested in, you know, so what does a good self-service onboarding checklist look like? Um, if you've already uh, got access to Air Manual and that you, you know that you're logged in and got your workspace, uh, the top right, click on the little question mark and go on examples and templates and search for onboarding, and you'll find a load of pre-made templates and checklists. Uh, that provide you the structure, that provide the structure for uh, helping make sure that your new joiner is going to feel welcome and supported and become productive and, and so on. So that provides a great starting point and, and helps you see, you know, what does good look like? So I think that's, that's really powerful and worth checking out those, uh, those kind of resources um, uh, to, to see that. The other thought that I have, because, um, uh, uh, you know, I think we've kind of uh, described our approach and our, our preferred approach is put a little bit of time in advance of the new joiner arriving. Um, and I've you know, mentioned a few things like examples of, well, basically it's literally three hours to save you 18 the following week when that person joins. So it's, it's time well invested. And that tends to be our preference. But it's interesting, uh, yesterday, D- uh, Danielle Mulvey from the All In Company, um, one of our customers uh, and an absolutely awesome person and uh, uh, really fantastic company. Um, she's, uh, she collaborates and um, is sort of partners with uh, Mike McCallowitz, uh, who wrote uh, Profit First and Clockwork and so on. And um, I loved uh, the, her comment on the uh, episode that we did yesterday, which was that she said, uh, here's my top tips for uh, improving your onboarding. Step one, when the new joiner uh, comes in on their first day, teach them how to use Air Manual. <laughs> Step two, teach them everything that they need to know. And step three, request that they uh, create it as checklist in Air Manual. And, um, you know, what what she's essentially saying is like, uh, if you haven't got, if you feel like you really haven't got time, you can't even put that hour and a half aside, three hours aside before the person joins, then at the very least, set that person up so that they can capture it so that in future you don't have that challenge. Because if you're then going to spend 20 hours 
teaching and spoon feeding that new employee in their first week, then you better get that documented. And uh, empowering the, the person to do it themselves is a really nice way to do that, which actually links to something that we do do, which is that when we're going when we've got someone self-driving their onboarding we don't just you know it's not like oh we just dump them in a corner and say here's your checklist let me know in two weeks when you can do your job you know we support them through one-to-ones with the manager and check-ins and and so on that are part of the checklist as much as uh, things in their calendar but when questions come up when mistakes get made we use that as an opportunity to improve the onboarding checklists so when a member of my team says, oh, uh, Alexis, I, I wasn't sure about this. You know, the, the checklist or the, um, the onboarding says that I should do this. But then I spot in a separate checklist. That it says I should do something slightly different. Which one's the answer? And I go, oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, that does contradict. That's because we changed it and I haven't updated it in both places. Here's the answer. Now, please update the checklist so that it's reflective of that. And that's a really powerful way in which you're both empowering the employee and that they're adding value early on, but also you're continuously improving what you're doing and, and putting them in the driving seat, which uh, I really, really like. So those are, so we've covered the sort of four uh, ways in which you can fix it. Number five, what's the last way uh, that we, or, or the last big way in which we'd say that people can uh, improve their onboarding, make sure it doesn't suck? Cool. The, the fifth and final bit is to sprinkle on the wow factor. Uh, and it's it's just thinking about little touches you can do. So we said one of the goals was about making them feel welcome and supported. And it's really putting the focus on how do I how do we make them feel really, really welcome? How do we make this an experience where they're all they're glowing and they want to tell their their partners about it? Because that just puts them completely at ease mm. and it does such a service for your whole organization. And it sets their expectations so high about both what they can expect from your company, but also how they will respond uh, to your company and what they, ha- you know, how they want to 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 give. And the- so, what what we don't suggest at all is that uh, you spend weeks and invest all of your time on creating some, you know, really elaborate branded materials uh, and and so on. It's so easy. And we said yesterday on yesterday's episode, if if you look on Google about how to do great onboarding, there's so much focused just on this one point mm. about how to do shiny things, which you can put on Instagram, that you can quickly go. That's that's the most important thing we need to do. I'd say this is this is definitely not the most important thing. Yeah. Equipping someone to do their job will make them feel much happier than any kind of shiny object that they get. But there are small things that you can do with very low effort that do make a really really good impression. And I'll just give an example of something that we do in our own organization. So during, uh, as we're getting ready for someone to join, they get their own checklist of things that they can do. And we they need to join, uh, sign a contract, but we also give them, give them the ability to read about our vision and values and the way they're going to be supported in advance. Um, and in some of the upcoming episodes, we're going to be going deeper into the, the steps that we take both before and during the onboarding uh, in, in detail. But as part of that that checklist that they have before they actually join, we ask them a question. We go, look, uh, at, at, from time to time, we like to be able to uh, reward employees for having done a great job. Um, and we don't know what you like. We know some people like a, a beer and think that's the best thing ever, but other people would, would don't like drinking. Some people like flowers. Other people wouldn't appreciate that. So could you tell us what your, your gift preferences are? And so yeah, people tell us and 
It's a, it's a whole mix. Mm-hmm. And then what we simply do is go, brilliant. We now know exactly what to get them on day one to say thank you for joining. And we get that sorted. We get it in the post because we're a, a remote company. And they completely unexpectedly, despite having filled in this form, completely unexpectedly have this moment of joy when they open the post and get a bottle of gin or a massive bouquet or whatever it is. And it's something that to us, it, the expense is it, it's very small compared to everything else that we're paying for at that moment in, in time. Yeah. And yet the majority of uh, 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 employees we have have at some point sent us a picture of them beaming with their with their, their gift because it, it's such a unexpected and personal touch which they want to... Yeah, up to that point, they've been talking to their, their other halves, or to their family, friends, and you, there's always this kind of nervousness. And now they've got something, instead of talking about nervousness, they've talk, talked about something amazing which happened and which, honestly, it inspires envy in their in their friends. And it, it gives them status. It gives them real confidence in, in what's going to happen. So it's, it's a huge thing, and yet it's so small. Simply, the, the effort involved, we didn't spend five hours looking for the perfect gift by doing a load of research we asked them what they what they wanted and then we uh, and then we ordered it it didn't take a huge amount of time but it did require a little bit of thinking and a little bit of wow factor other things like personal notes making sure that they feel super welcome like make sure that they don't start the day without actually seeing anyone so just looking for the your your checklist and going are there any points where they, they might feel lost or not welcome and are there any things where we could do something a little special where you know if you're in the office we could take them out for uh, a meal we could serenade them with coffee unexpectedly we could have a, the ceo drop in wh- whatever it is just tiny things that that will make a big difference and um it's uh, it's worth it on top of all the the other stuff that we've talked about today yeah, I love that. And I think um, this is a real opportunity for business leaders, for you know, HR people, for you know, people, directors, whoever it is that are kind of coming together to create this experience, to really tap into some of that creativity. And as much as possible, the more it's linked to the culture of your organization, the better, right? So um, if you're an organization that really believes in lots of social time together, then creating some wow factor around the social time on the person's first day or first week is a really nice way to do that. Um, and, and I think there's, but there's loads of, loads, loads of things you could do. I've seen from other businesses where they have, uh, taken the, uh, the new joiner perhaps to go and have a tour of maybe their factories or something like that, or, or to meet, uh, one of the, uh, company's customers and perhaps even, or, or shadow a sales conversation. Or I remember back when I, uh, uh, worked at DHL, uh, they would do things like, um, even you know, taking some of the the sales and the customer service staff and get them to um, go out in a van with one of the drivers and experience you know that kind of journey or or um, uh, some other amazing experience of go and you know see how the parcels are sorted at the at those offices and it's those things that imprint quite heavily in the memory of that new joiner to make them see how that they're part of a bigger thing and that um and actually it's quite exciting and rewarding and purpose-driven and whatever it is so i think finding those little ways that become a bit more uh exciting or or um uh, aligned with your values and so on is really really powerful and as i say with there's various ones that we put in place but but i think that you know you used that word very intentionally with sprinkle I think, as you say, the temptation is to to go overboard on it, and it's just 
uh, not necessary and in fact can become a bit of a distraction if, uh, if you're spending too much time on that. So I really, really like that. Cool. Well, we're very much coming up for our time, so uh, we're going to move to a close. But uh, in terms of what we've covered, you know, we've been talking about the tactical solutions for delivering onboarding that doesn't suck. And actually, hopefully you've seen, can be really amazing for everyone involved. Uh, as regular listeners will know, we, uh, we run a weekly webinar on how to free up 15 hours per week and re- remove the constant stress of running a business without slowing down growth. As part of that webinar, we do talk more about uh, onboarding and how to create that amazing experience uh, in more detail. Those webinars are uh, typically every Wednesday at 1 p.m. UK time. You can find out about the next one and uh, register at www.airmanual.co forward slash webinar. Uh, please do uh, come and join me live during that. A final note for our podcast listeners. As a new podcast, we do need your help. If you found the content today valuable, please just take one minute to leave an honest review uh, and indeed share it with other people. This will help the podcast get more visibility and uh, ultimately help us to have a greater impact on more business teams. Otherwise, until next time, have fun.